0: Uh, Okay, so we are in the tribulation proper, Revelation chapter 6. And like all good studies of Revelation chapter 6, I would ask you to open to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. I'm going to read... It's kind of, I don't know, the stepping off place because you could read the whole chapter real easily. I'm going to read the first 13 verses and we'll pray and we'll uh, we'll comment briefly and we'll jump into Revelation chapter 6. I had an idea to get Revelation 6 all done, but I think I'd be run, running right through it. So we'll get as far as we get in Revelation 6 today. Uh, it, 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 I will tell you this. I don't take... Great joy in Revelation six through eighteen. I don't love talking about the bad things. But the shepherd heart. God, if God gives you a, a church, gives you a, a, a gift to teach people, he gives you a heart for those people as well. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise you. I have the shepherd heart. I don't. I don't want to see people go through this. It it, it destroys my heart to think that. Uh, People I know, people I show up with at uh, uh, the job every day, I rub elbows with, people with my last name, who are going to go into this unimaginable time that we're going to look at today. And that that just it just breaks my heart. I think we, if my theology is correct, we'll be watching it from the mezzanine. So why this whole section? Well, God gave it to us for a reason, but I want you. I, I can tell you, this is why you're here, and this is what you should be. I I don't know that. I suspect. I have my suspicions, but I think it's better prayerfully you approach them and say, "Why am I learning these things?" Maybe it. Maybe just maybe. No, I'm not gonna say it. No, I'm not gonna say it. You have that time with God. Chapter Matthew chapter twenty four verse one. Jesus went out and departed from the temple. He went out. I got to back up. Ch- chapter twenty three verse uh, thirty seven. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that ascend unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Read here, Jesus just pronounced judgment on the temple. Your house, my father's house, the house of prayer? No, your house is left unto you desolate. This sets us up to chapter 24. You have to understand what just happened. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Is there a prerequisite for the return of Jesus Christ? The Jews have to petition him and say, because you're not going to see me again until you say. And there's an untilness to this. Why else? What other reasons is Satan trying to stamp out Israel? so that there will be no Jews around for them to pray that Jesus will return, among other reasons. Uh, and Jesus went out. Now you understand the wenting out of, he went out. Okay, he's, this is a done with you kind of thing. He went out and departed from the temple. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Well, he's never seen them before? I think the thing is they're saying, look, are you serious? Are you sure about this? This is where we meet with God. This is where sacrifice happens. You just pronounced judgment on this temple. Is this, Jesus knows he's talking about 38 years from this day, at, at this time, Rome would surround Jerusalem and they would sack Jerusalem and the temple would be demolished. So much so that it was not, well, let's read it. Jesus said, see ye not all these things. Verily I said unto you, there shall not be left here. One stone upon another shall not be thrown down. Not one stone upon another. Is, he, is this hyperbole? You know, it's going to happen exactly as Jesus prophesied. Exactly. He sat upon the Mount of Olives. And this is why we call this the Olivet Discourse. It's from the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately, privately saying, Tell us what shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the... It says the end of the world. It means the end of the age, the end of this age. How's, what's going to happen? And Jesus answered them. Now, Jesus is responding to the questions, okay? So we got to understand that. It's the things that we're talking about in Revelation. And he's going to tell them about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, but he won't put it in that terminology so much so that people don't connect the dots. Now, when we read later on the four horsemen, which is the first four seals, there's a, there's a correlation. They connect exactly. In my thinking, it's debatable. Believe whatever you think. But I think what he's, he's presenting here are what, what we would call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Take heed that no man deceive you. Will there be people deceiving you? Have you never saw YouTube? Well, but beyond that. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Horseman number one, false Christs we see the first seal being opened, the first horseman of the Apocalypse is the Antichrist, For my think, in my thinking. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. If you have another translation, the start of, Birth pangs, uh, when, when, if you're the Wednesday night group, I've been going on and on about this. Birth pangs, scripturally, are always about the 70th week of Daniel, the, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble, or as we would say, the tribulation period. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And Many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's the agape of many. But I will say, I think the beginning of that is, is upon us now. But he that shall endure unto the end shall be saved. Now let's look at the same passage in Revelation. Revelation chapter 6. Jesus has taken the scroll, the title deed of the earth. He has redeemed it on the cross, and now he's going to take possession. Again, I told you the book of Ruth is very instructive. Uh, um, Boaz, strength, the kinsman-redeemer. The Hebrew word is the goel. He's the, he's the kinsman-redeemer. He's the kinsman because he has to be See, when Jesus plays the part of the kinsman redeemer, he has to be a kinsman. He has to be a man to redeem men. Say, so makes sense. Why can't angels be redeemed? Jesus didn't die for angels. All the angels, it was a fixed number at creation. I think a third of them rebelled. They can't reclaim, they can't be redeemed. Jesus didn't die for angels, they made the decision. Um, you know, people will talk about, you know, are there. Are there Dogs in heaven. I, I don't think there's barking dogs in heaven. I don't think there's sniffing dogs in heaven. I think, uh, you know, God made dogs. Well, you're, you know, lassie be in heaven. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, saved dogs. You know, the, I know the cartoon. All dogs go to heaven. Do they in real? I don't. I don't know. If not, they don't. They don't. There's none of them plastic. But I see my doctor. He's out with this little. It's a, it's a small little, and, and he's on the end of the leash, and he's got this plastic bag, and the whole thing looks very—I don't know—it's weird to me. And would that happen in heaven? No, no, I don't know. I, so I don't know. But do, Jesus didn't die for dogs. Just, just so you know, do they need salvation? Well, let the theologians decide. You can argue that one back and forth. Um when i saw the so he's going to take possession of what he's redeemed now and i was talking about like ruth and boaz ruth is a picture of the of the church she's a gentile bride who by the way her death is never discussed in scripture like all gentile brides but he has to be to pay, play the part of the kinsman redeemer he has to be willing and he has to be able and the scroll says the what the what the what how you can redeem what what has to be in place for redemption to happen. Jesus is the only one, we found out from chapter 5, who can redeem. Does he choose to redeem? Yes. Everybody? That's the rub. Ruth had to be willing to be married to Boaz, to be redeemed. It's not a, Jesus at the end of the day is a gentleman. He's not going to go past your I was watching a show this morning. Guy was like, Oh yeah, so everyone goes to hell. That's a that's a that's a God for you. That's how but he'd already talked about how he would think he said that, you know, being in heaven forever. He said that would be hell to him. So he doesn't want to go to the heaven that he thinks is a terrible place, and then he blames God for sending them to hell after he's rejected heaven. Huh? Talk about trying to have your cake and eating it too. But so here it is: Jesus redeeming now, and the, the picture again is given to us. Fourth chapter book, and if you don't, you read Ruth, and you say, "I still don't get it." We'll go through a study with someone like Chuck Missler, and I think you'll get it better. I think you'll really appreciate what's going on in chapter five. Now he's taken the scroll from the right hand, and now what happens? When I saw, and when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder and one of the four beasts saying, come and see. And I saw and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him, had a bow and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer seal one white horse and the horseman on it. We find out a few things about him. Let's let's slow down, talk about this. Many people, and you will read in a lot of commentaries, this is Christ going forth to conquer and to conquer the earth. No. He keeps some really bad company If when we read the other three horsemen, if it is. But remember the first thing that Jesus said, hey, let no one deceive you. Many shall come in my name, saying I'm the Christ. Well, he's Get Adam, he's got a white horse. I know. I know, right? That's how Satan operates. He's he's not like a a guy in like a red flannel suit with a little trident and a little, you know, uh, you know, I'm Satan and I'm come to, he doesn't do like that. He's he's characterized in scripture by a a serpent, slithering, soundless, you know, and he's there and you don't even perceive him. He's like a roaring lion. You know who else is a lion in scripture? Jesus Christ is a lion. He's a lion of the tribe of Judah. Why, so why does Satan come like a lion? Because he's trying to deceive. That's what he's about. Jesus says when he, when he lies, he's talking his native language. He always lies. He never tells us the truth. He's incapable of telling the truth. So I think it's a good deception. I was reading, I remember I was uh, when I was at Seven Oaks and I was teaching the Seven Oaks guys there, and I was preparing this and I was reading some commentary on it, I had an e It's one of those things you get on your phone. And I had 13 commentaries, and I looked at all 13 of them, and like about eight or nine of them said, this is Jesus Christ. It is so much so the deception that mo- most people think it's Jesus. It's not. It's the Antichrist. Uh, if you met the Antichrist now, I bet you would fall in love with him. I, I bet you would think, man, this guy is—he is—he's got all the answers. He's got all the charm. He's got charisma. He's got—he's got a big mouth. Uh, scripture says over and over. But he's got—he—he he can solve problems. He can take the Middle East situation. And he can bring peace in such a way that this is it. This is the answer. This is what we've all been waiting for. No more war in the Middle East. Can't we all just get along? He's saying, "Yeah, let me show you how." This guy is phenomenal. So much so that, let's let's look at his career. He had a bow. Is that an instrument for launching arrows? Could be. He doesn't have any arrows. And by the way, it's not Jesus. The preferred weapon of Jesus Christ is a sword, a two-edged sword. We know that about Jesus. He doesn't use a bow. Some people say, "Well, this harks back to like Nimrod, the great hunter before the Lord." Uh, Okay, that's a good point. But the first time bow is used in Scripture, it's talking about the rainbow. It's the same word, by the way. Like you know, I say bow, and you can think again something I launch arrows from. You can think of like that, you know, Roy G. Biv arc in the sky after a a weather event, and you can think of a bow like that the first time it's used in scripture, it's a bowl like that. God put a bow in the cloud, saying, I'm never going to judge the world by rain again. And I think this is what he has. You say he has a rainbow. Isn't that apropos? He has a rainbow as a symbol of a covenant in my thinking. We went over this weeks ago, and I, I, I don't want to take all the time to develop it. Look on your own about the covenant with death as it's given to us in the book of Isaiah. Day one of the tribulation is not the rapture of the church, in my thinking. The rapture will happen before the tribulation. How long? A day? A week? A month? Several years? I don't, I don't exactly know. But I think the rapture happens, and then this man comes to, comes to the front, comes to power. He won't be revealed until the church is out of here. We read that in the book of Thessalonians. And other passages as well. And then all of a sudden he's introduced, he comes to a place of power, and then he introduces a peace plan or enforces a covenant, as it's given to us in Daniel, I believe it's chapter nine. And that is day one of the tribulation. The the covenant with death that Isaiah talks about. And God ridicules them. Oh, you think you're secure now? You sign this covenant with death, and you say when the when the overcoming scourge happens, it won't it, it won't happen to us because we've made and it's, and God says we've made lies our covenant. We're in agreement with hell, and that's how God sees this this covenant of death. That's day one, and I think this is the picture of it. Okay, this is Satan comes. He's got a bow, a sign of a covenant, and he says, Hey, let's all just can't we all just get along? Can't we? He's a great man of peace. It says that many places in Scripture. I think Wednesday what we'll talk about is the Antichrist in the Old Testament. I think he has 33 names, 30 or 33 names in the Old Testament, 13 in the New. We'll cover some of these, and we'll talk about... Because when you read about the Antichrist, he's all through Scripture. You know, when you're, you're reading through, like, Isaiah, and you run across this character, the Assyrian. What is that all about? Well, it's the Antichrist. And if you study it out, you think, oh my goodness, here's the Antichrist in the Old Testament. He's many places in the Old Testament. He's the willful king. He's the little horn. He's the. But we'll talk about that on Wednesday. If I go there, we'll go nowhere else. Is uh, a white horse, he has a bow, and a crown was given unto him. Is it a diadem crown like Jesus is going to wear in Revelation 19 when he comes? It is not. It is the Stefano's crown, the crown of the overcomer, the kind that we get. It's like a laurel wreath. Think of it like that when you overcome, when you win an Olympic event. It's that, you know, and this crown, this Stephanos crown is given to him. Satan has no authority on his own. you are going to remember that. And this isn't Satan in the flesh. This is his man. Later on, I think Satan will possess him, and I have Scripture on that, and we'll talk about that when we get to Revelation 13 and and stuff like that. Here he's got a Stephanos crown. Jesus has a diadem. Here he has a bow. Jesus has a sword. They both ride white horses, but that's because he's trying to appear as something he's not. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. That's not Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered it all. He's why that, why does he why is he able to take the scroll? Because he's conquered. It is finished. Paid in full to telesty. The the this, the, the conquest has happened. Now he's redeeming it himself. This guy's going forth, conquering to conquer, uh, co- uh, conquering into conquer. When Jesus comes back, does he conquer? It's pretty much just cleanup. Oh, there's some battles, but <laughs> to no avail. You know, we read about that. Again, very instructive on that is Isaiah chapter 63. Uh, Psalm two talks about it in summary, and when we read, like what happens when Jesus comes back, he takes Satan and he and he beats him by the by his glory, by the by the uh, the breath of his nostrils. He he pronounces his destruction. It's not like, you know, I think people have. You know, bet on the wrong horse. Some people think you know they. We I know it's Jesus versus Satan, and I think Satan. He did, He gets a bad rap. He's loose for the fallen cherub, but he's really the good guy. And this all, and so they're betting that like you know Jesus is the bad guy and Satan's really the good guy, and we're betting that Satan's going to win. That I've heard talk about. Listen to someone who's developed that idea. That's a. That's such a bad idea. Uh, the creation will not conquer the creator. Not, no. But let's keep going. But this guy goes conquering, the co- and he's going to have an opportunity. He's going to have like a seven-year reign. Three and a half years, he's really going to come in with his own. It'll be a very troubled reign, and it'll be over hardly before you even know Okay, when he had opened the second seal, I I heard the second beast saying, come and see, because you remember there's four beasts. The first one says, come and see. Hey, check this out. It's kind of the idea, right? Uh, The second one said, uh, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. Now, red reminds us of something. White reminds us of righteousness. Red reminds us of blood, bloodshed. Uh, The other horse that was read, and power is given to him that sat there to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another, and it was given unto him a great sword. Remember, Jesus said, let let no one deceive you. Many who come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And there shall be what? Wars and rumors of wars. And now we see the second horseman of the apocalypse, and he represents what? War. That... uh, It was given unto him that that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. In other words, an instrument of war. Uh, The sword is symbolic of two things scripturally, the word and war. Okay? Uh, When they beat their swords into plowshares and their swords into pruning hooks, that means, and, and, and then if you don't get that, the next verse says, neither will they learn war anymore. Okay, so this is... Uh, by the way, when, when you talk about this, like, uh, so this warfare is going to be with swords, <laughs> big lance, you think of a, like a knight charging in a battle. John's seeing this. I don't think he could describe a, a helicopter if given the opportunity. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing the best he can, but he understands, you know, combat and blood and death and mayhem and carnage and bad things. And he understands, okay, that no peace... And by the way, so they will promise peace. Will peace happen? Not until the prince of peace comes. Jesus' reign will be a thousand years of peace. It'll be wonderful. I say this all the time. You guys must get tired of hearing me. Yeah, if God's God. How come there's so much war? Um, Did you not read what I said? Thou shalt do no murder. Don't kill. I got a, I got a whole commandment and everything. I've to elaborate on that several places in Scripture. Do not kill people. It's it's a bad thing. Just was notwithstanding. We can talk about reasons why and when and and all this good stuff. All things being equal, stop killing. That's what God says. I didn't tell you to go to war. And you say, well, sometimes people are crazy and they're trying to take over and I have to defend, you know, I, I understand that, I understand that. That's men being sinful that's all that is. And we, we, we go forth to war and kill and, and cause all kinds of bad things. Then we turn around and blame God. I, I don't get it. Um, peace was taken from the earth. Remember? You know, peace, peace, and suddenly destruction comes. Uh, they, so they kill one another, it was given to him a great sword. How many people die here? Oh my goodness! We'll we'll keep reading. We'll find out. It's one third of the earth is dies at this time in the opening of the seals. Um, we'll get there. But one third of the earth, I I looked at on Google yesterday it was seven point eight billion. Seven point eight. It's almost eight billion. You know, let's for easy math. You know, I don't, how do we do one third of eight? <laughs> it's two point. You know, three. So I don't know. Anyway, so. Um, it's it's a lot of people. It's it's the equivalent, by the way, of 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 South America, Central America, Mexico, America, Canada, and Western Europe. That's a third of the earth. It's a big number. Okay. Uh, when he opened the third seal, okay, so. So we got the antichrist the first thing and say well that's not so bad well it's going to be very bad if this character doesn't show up the rest of the things won't follow but then there's this 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 the whole world's at war that's okay we're in america we got two moats on both sides we'll be fine I, I we even had much war here we had this we had the american revolution but you Nobody here is old enough except me. Nobody is old enough to remember it. Uh, Civil war uh, happened here, much carnage. But what we can remember in, in like when we talk to our grandparents and our great grandparents, you know, World War One, World War Two happened far away, and and Vietnam happened across the sea, and you know, uh, Desert Storm happened over there. And we're getting used to the fact that you know we haven't been attacked. We were on nine eleven, but that didn't affect everybody in America. You know, we we kind of we kind of used to be, you know, we send our over there and fight the war and stuff like this, but we'll be okay here. We'll be watching it from the mezzanine as I said, but I I hate to see what our streets look like after, you know, some of these wars. When he opened the third sail, he heard the third beast saying, Come and stand, beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. Okay, black, probably not a good color, but in Scripture it represents famine. Very often, okay? Not always. Um, but generally, you know, Scripture, and Scripture's not politically correct, it's only biblically correct, which I'd rather be. You know, you think of white good, white horse, you know, the good guy, you know. Uh, Jesus Christ comes on a white horse. You think of black as a negative or a bad thing, okay? That's kind of the way it is in Scripture. Here it's a bad thing. It's famine, okay? Uh, that's why he's got the pair of balances. And if you think of a lady justice outside of the court, and she's got blindfold on, she's got them scales in her hand. It means the balance is the idea of equity, you know, fairness. Uh Back when there was a barter system, you know, uh, I gave you like gold or silver or something like that for, you know, fish and whatever. And so for this big gold, I get this much, you know, fish. But if I shave a little bit off of that, I'll have, and I can collect it all up and recast it and then I'll have, so they had this weight system. So this much gold equals this much fish or this much silver equals this much fish. And when it balances out, that's the idea, okay? And so that's why the scales are here. Um, and eating your bread by measure, scripturally, is, is terminology for famine. I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Uh say a measure we for a penny. <laughs> Let the good times roll. The scripture word is denarius, and it means a day's wage. So we're talking about a loaf of bread for what? Hundred bucks? Imagine what a pound of hamburg would cost. It's it's if you're if you're living on Minimum wage. I don't see how you're going to make ends meet. I don't see how you can do it now for that matter. But I mean, we're talking about unimaginable famine. It's, it, it's, we're okay. I got, I got money in the bank. I got, I'm all set up. I got my 401k. I got, you know, an IRA. I'm all set, you know. And then we have Social Security. <laughs> we're rolling in the cabbage now. Uh, no, no. Uh why? Well everyone's off at war. Everyone's being killed. You know, uh you know, farmlands in our uh battlefields, uh you, you know, there's just not um we had a pandemic and we say in gro- uh, empty shelves on the grocery store. We'd never seen that before. It was kind of like dreadful in a way. We we looked and we you know, we're going and you know, early on we were trying to buy like toilet paper like everybody else, and we saw like, you know, whole aisles like with nothing, I was... And some of the things haven't caught up. There's still shortages and different things that you're trying to buy, and you can't find them anywhere. Just a little thing like a bug going across the earth, and suddenly, you know, the food chain, the supply chain has been disrupted. Crazy stuff. Well, this type of... When the whole world's at war, famine always follows war. Historically, it always has. And um, see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So people say luxury items. The rich will still get richer and the poor will still get poorer. And I think like, that maybe maybe when I think of oil and wine though, I think of Israel. The one, still one of the symbols of Israel is that cluster of grapes that you remember like that they bore between the two of them when they from the valley of Eschol when he sent the spies into the land. You remember? So You know, I I think of that, I think of Israel, and it's olive oil is what we're talking about here, not petroleum products, okay? The word isn't crude, the word is olive oil. Hurt not the oil and the wine. So what are you getting at, Adam? I think what he's saying, it's going to be worldwide famine, except Israel's not going to be involved because it's a peace treaty with Israel. Three and a half years in, he's going to turn and betray Israel. But until that point, I think they're kind of like, they get a pass. They get a hall pass at the beginning. We can develop that later on. And by the way, you can make a cottage industry out of the oil and the wine. Whole books are written on this. So y'all guess is as good as mine. Again, you watch five YouTube videos, you'll probably get six different views on what the oil and the wine is symbolic of. So you know, uh, and a, And I haven't heard many people say what I just said. So I'm probably wrong for a, a, a lot of reasons, but that's kind of what it reminds me of, you know. And I think you're going to remember there's a there's that covenant with death, and and the, the 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 temple will be rebuilt, and so you know uh, the Antichrist is going to make good on his promise for a while. What I didn't read where I stopped in Matthew chapter 24, and then he goes on to talk about the abomination of desolation, but you have to study and. That means the temple proper, but you have to study that on your own for now, okay? So one of the third uh, horsemen, and, uh, uh, you know, and then, of course, this great famine happens. And when he had opened the fourth seal, this is the lamb still opening the seals, taking control of the earth, redeeming it on himself. I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and... Uh, and the word is chloros, and like chloroform, like chlorox, like chlorine dioxide. Like, think about it, that sickly green. I look, and behold, a, a, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and hunger. I said third part, uh... Thirds, fourth, this, the third judgments, they'll come later on. I always think in terms of thirds, because like a lot, so, because like, you know, the third of the uh, water is going to be turned to blood, and the third of this is going to happen, and the third, and the sun will be diminished like one third, and, and all this stuff. So, there's like judgment of thirds, and I, I can't always keep in my mind what, and I'd never take notes. I mean, I never work, operate off notes. So, a power is given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill. So, if it's eight, eight billion, we're talking about a, a two billion dead. That's, that's a lot. One in every four people you know is suddenly dead. So, is the first writer Jesus Christ? He's running around with death and hell. I don't think it is. He's running around with famine and war. No, it's, it's the Antichrist. I think we can nail that one down for sure. Then what happens? War. Then what happens? Famine. Then what happens? Death. They come from famine and war. We know that. And hell followed with them. Hell? Hades. Hell, as you would think of it. Are these redeemed people? By and large, not. These are people who are left behind after the rapture. So what happens? Death? Then hell? Hell? I don't know anybody I want to go to hell. I told you in the past, I've I've told you, go to hell, and I meant it when I said it because I was young and I was stupid and I didn't realize what I was saying. We we preach the gospel because we don't want people to go to hell. That's the other eternal place if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I don't see it. And like I say, I, I can think of people. I got, I, I got names. I got faces. I got I got some of these that are like related to me um, and related to you. And how far is this away? I don't think very far at all. When's day one of the tribulation? Most of us would, if we weren't raptured, would be here. Most of us wouldn't die before it, if, if my guess is correct. I could be wrong. I mean, I could be. But this is, I don't know, this is sobering stuff to me. And I, I don't want to get you all, hey, thanks for this chipper little Bible study, Adam. <laughs> we just go to the next verse and the next verse and the next verse. And what, what the Bible says is what it says, okay? It's not chipper, and it's not meant to be. It's, it's, it's death, it's, it's eternal separation from God. i i don't I don't know how else to say it what why would you why would you subject yourself to this? It's pride at this point with with some people I know i got i I don't want to name names and stuff like this you know people in my own life I've talked to and stuff they just can't they've just been out there and they're so vocal and so obstinate and so and now it's hard to walk that back 'cause it would look like they feel like they'd look like ridiculous. I'd rather look ridiculous and go to heaven than obstinately. Go to hell, and that it's like. Never mind. I'm going to say something that's going to get me in trouble. Death and hell followed with him, and power was given over him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with beasts of the earth. Now, beasts of the earth. What I got? I get this parakeet, and all of a sudden he's going to turn killer, and you know, peck my brains out while I'm asleep, or something like that. No. I think when famine happens, famine happens. And, you know, maybe animals that usually have plentiful resources now all of a sudden won't. But I don't even think about that. When I, when I think of beasts of the earth, I think about the, by the way, microscopic beasts are a lot more deadly than any other beasts we know. And if we haven't learned that in the last year, we haven't learned anything. Right? And could it be those type of beasts? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't give any talk about size of the beasts that are, are out there killing. Will pestilence happen? It always happens in war. Sanitation goes right out the window in a lot of places. You are, are you in the battlefield in a foxhole all day and then back at headquarters in the evening with a nice hot shower, square meal, and you know get all cleaned up for battle the next day? What war are you fighting? You know, generals fight those wars, but the guys in the trenches never fight those wars. Sickness happens, pestilence happens, dysentery happens, and a lot of other vulgar things that I'd rather not even talk about happen. So pestilence, and so the beasts of the field here, the beasts of the earth. I mean, could mean that, okay? And I kind of think they do. But again, you know, um, because we generally don't hear, even in a rural place like now, how many you out in the woods? You worried about? Some people do, you know, but most of us don't worry about, you know, killer deer or, you know, fox going to attack us and eat us to death. We just don't don't get nerved up, you know, about stuff like that. Uh, but I think it can mean, like, and I would think, you know, like the idea of pestilence. Um, our time is kind of spent. I know I've been going over, but. The fifth seal is kind of, it, those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's a good place to, to to step off. The fifth seal is a little kind of different anyway, and I knew I wasn't going to get the whole chapter in. So we can end there, and the worship team come and send us out here in song. Uh, look, not a chipper study. I get it, I get it, I get it. The four horsemen of the apocalypse. Aren't you glad God's delivering us from this whole episode? I am. Because I know the stuff that's coming, and I have a study like this, and I think, aren't you awesome, God? Thank you. What are you going to be doing? Marriage supper of the Lamb, uh, you know, food. The Lord joys over us with singing. So at this marriage celebration, we have, okay, Jesus on the mic. Is, Is there a heavenly band there? Like, you know, is like, you know, trumpet guy like Gabriel? like Is he like Louis Armstrong good? I'd Probably better. I mean, I bet it's going to be just awesome. God will serve us. He will love us. Rewards are given. That's the part that we're not seeing right here, but I want you to focus on. But others are going to be here. It's going to be a bad time. Get the word out. Um, next week is... Um, week before, and we'll, we'll take this on again. The week after that is Easter Sunday, and on Easter Sunday we're gonna we're not gonna I mean three Sundays from now is Easter Sunday, and we'll we'll take a step back and we'll t- uh, focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's stand, let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for the fact that you're getting us out of here. We, uh, we, we look for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We thank you. You've told us these things. I mean, I guess we want to know them, but it doesn't it doesn't bless our heart to know about friends and family and people we know who are going to be going through this awful time, this unimaginable time. Lord, set a fire under us and bring many into this this ark of safety, this this salvation that you have provided at this time. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.